the free for all roundtable round two on round two today, Max Valliquette is here, advertising and media guy. Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown is here as well. So it's a three-guy panel this morning. Good morning. Welcome. Happy Friday. Hello. Morning. Happy Remembrance Day. I have to imagine that you have uh, observances in Brampton, Patrick Brown, today. Yeah, we just finished uh, a great one um, at the Meadowville Cemetery, which is an annual event. And then we're going to have a big one downtown uh, Brampton. So it's always a special day in our city. Let's uh, start sinking our teeth into some of the big stories. And actually, it'll be interesting to hear what a mayor from outside of Toronto has to say about John Tory's plea with Queen's Park and Ottawa asking for them to make up a budget shortfall, uh, which is stretching toward a billion dollars. Max, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I heard from an awful lot of people via text, more hostile than usual, I might add, um, when we talked about this on round one, because people were saying, pay your own bills in Toronto. If you, Why should somebody pay taxes to Queen's Park in Ottawa and have that money going to Toronto because you guys have such wonderful low taxes. Yeah, and that's a, a, a fair perspective for anyone to have. Of course, it's always much more complicated than that. And there are constantly payments between different levels in different jurisdictions uh, across the entire country. But I think, you know, people like to take it uh, uh, into Toronto whenever they possibly can. And that's cool. That's fine. My larger problem with this is that it feels like just another ineffectual thing being done by our neighbor, uh, by our mayor, excuse me, who can't seem to uh, properly take the reins of our city in the way that we need to. Like there's a, a budget, I think they're saying 800 and some odd million dollars. Is that right? Yep. A significant enough budget shortfall. But I never feel like anything but cuts to services is on the table with this guy and that he's not taking an approach that actually looks at the budget from sort of zero up and figures out, are there more radical changes that need to be made? So here we are going again, asking other people for some money for Toronto, but some parts of the budget, like how much we spend on police services, for example, just absolutely increase every single year. It doesn't ever feel with John Tory like he's ahead of something, but instead is always playing catch up. And here we are fiscally looking at the same thing. All right, Patrick Brown, I don't know how prone you will be to criticize another mayor or another jurisdiction, but what do you say? No, and you know I, I'm a fan of, of of John Tory. I think he's got the best intentions. Um, I, you know, I would say we're not seeing those same. Uh, type of of shortfalls in Peel region, but there is a lot of pressure. You know, b- b- building a rec center today could be thirty to forty percent more than it would have been two years ago. Um, we're seeing auto thefts uh, like we haven't seen before and break and enters because it's easier to steal a car than ever before, and there's a demand for more policing. So I certainly think there are there are pressures on every city budget. And what I would say is you need to treat every city the same though. And so if there is um, a financial need in Toronto. Um, they have the same taxpayers who pay the same provincial taxes uh, than you'd have in London or Ottawa or Brampton. And so I, I just think there needs to be in any in any program, in any re- request, um, a degree of, of, of equity to it. Um, now, Max Valaket of Memory Serves, you are a parent. So do you have any kids cold medicines in the medicine chest in store or are you going to have to hit the road if anything happens? No, we do have, uh, I am a parent and uh, we do have kid cold, cold medicine uh, here in the house. Um, and I did a, a walk through the neighborhood in which I'm at college in Ossington, in which there's a fair number of pharmacies in the neighborhood. And actually, I didn't notice the same kind of shortages that some other people uh, are or say that they are seeing. But again, we're still dealing with COVID. We've got a crazy flu season about to happen. Obviously, there's been an increase in RSV and 
there's a supply and demand issue here, but I do think to some extent it's being a little bit overstated when we hear things like Canadian families are going to the States to find cold medication. It's the same where we heard of some Canadian families going to the U.S. to get their vaccine doses when they weren't available here yet. It's not something that an enormous amount of people are doing, and it's easy to take one photo of a pharmacy with some empty shelves and say, this is what it looks like everywhere. I don't actually think this is the case where where it's happening everywhere, and we do know that Health Canada is on it and looking to, um, to make sure that some supply gets bolstered. So right now, this is a bit of a story, but I have a feeling that if you walk through your neighborhood to multiple pharmacies, you will find the medication. There. Okay. What neighborhood did you say well, you were in? I'm college and Ossington. Okay. Now I yeah, have... John, I would, yeah, I would add to that, to, to that, you know, my daughter had a fever a few weeks ago and I didn't know about this issue um, until my wife told me that she literally looked in every pharmacy in the city to find it and couldn't find it. And then we spoke to some other parents who were finding the same challenge. And so for me, I, I was shocked. I, I thought it, it, I couldn't believe this is a shortage issue we have for something that is as basic as um, kids, um, children's medicine. And so it is an issue. And I, I'm being told it's going to be rectified soon. You know, when my wife was looking, it was a few weeks ago and maybe it got better. But, uh, you know, um, you'd certainly hope for, for better planning um, and better supplies from Health Canada. Um, interesting column by uh, Mr. Ibbotson in, I think it's the Globe and Mail today, and he's writing about, the headline says, the U.S. midterms offer a stark warning to Pierre Polyevre. I agree with the hypothesis that the U.S. election result hinged a lot on not going for people who were embracing demonstrably crazy and foolish things. But, Patrick Brown, I'll start with you as the politician on the panel. I don't know that there are too many lessons for Pierre Polyevre because he may be somewhat incendiary but he's not Donald Trump, and he's not one of these sort of people who would deny something that is provably false. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm probably not as objective as others will be on this. Um, I do think there is a warning for conservatives um, that the U.S. is a rather, um, you know, tends to be more right-wing than, than Canada. And if the U.S. is, is rejecting um, candidates that don't believe in science or want to revisit um, divisive social issues. Um, that should be a lesson, a lesson for Canada's conservatives. And you know, from from someone who has been inside um, that partisan tent, um, there is a challenge with the Conservative Party wanting to replicate um, the Republican Party. And I hope, I hope I hope this is a lesson that you don't want to re- replicate Kerry Lake or Donald Trump because that's that's not where um, the you know sensibilities of Canadians are. Max Valiquet, I always uh, I think if you wanted to find a gif to illustrate th- what the electorate said uh, in the U.S. in this particular election cycle, it'd be that clip of Jack Nicholson with his face at the door saying, try selling crazy somewhere else. We're all full up. <laughs> First of all, I love your Nicholson. Great work on that. Um, that can also double as your as your Christian Slater impression. So I think it's great. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what lessons there are for Pierre Polyev because I'm not I'm not certain um, he has the ability to learn lessons. But nonetheless, uh, I understand I understand what people are saying. There was one signature hot button issue in Roe in that actual. I mean, what we're looking at with Roe versus Wade in the states is something that is more profound than what's happened here. But it could happen here. So it it, it fundamentally isn't about exclusively what the issues are. It's how the other party is able to make hay of those issues and bring out voters. And specifically here, the Democrats did a very nice job of bringing out younger voters, galvanizing them around a couple of these issues that really mattered to them and making sure that they showed up more. Millennials and Generation uh, Z or Z did a, a really 
strong Democrat push here, which may very well be the difference. So it's never exclusively about what are we seeing? It's what can one party do to make hay while that particular sun is shining? And the issues aren't quite as hot button here. But I do agree with the column that if you position this as crazy crazy versus normal, and if Mr. Polyev lets himself get pulled into the side of crazy, it does provide an opportunity for the liberals in the next election. And I will say that Pierre lets himself get pulled into crazy more often maybe than he should. So it is a possibility. Now, just so you guys know, if you've got your eyes on the clock, we're going to end a couple of minutes early on the roundtable today for an annual ritual, which is uh, Dorothy Jameson addressing high school students on November 11th, many, many years ago now. Uh, but one last topic and quick thoughts. Uh, Max Valiquet uh, MPs are prepared to spend $250 million on Parliament Hill to b- build a whole network of tunnels between the Parliament buildings. This was not in the original plan of, a, I think it's a 10 billion dollar reno, but it's scope creep, as some of the uh, contractors I spoke with this morning told me. It's the uh, Carleton Universityification of Parliament Hill, and those people who are from Ottawa and went to Carleton know what I'm talking about. Look, this has been on the table in one form or another for decades in Ottawa. The idea of, and it's actually quite needed, not just uh, uh, for purposes of ease of, of of travel between different parts of of Parliament, but also uh, for security purposes as well. So it, it's it's actually a good idea, which is well, well, well overdue. But it's like any construction project that you have to to be careful. I think it's cheaper to do it now with everything else that is happening there than it is to eventually do it years down the road when we're opening everything up again. But this has been on the table for literally decades, and it's it's it's, it's beyond its time has come. Okay, Patrick Brown, last word, money well spent? You know, I spent nine years up in Ottawa. They have tunnels, um, and so this is not, not a new thing. If they need to fix those tunnels and be included in the redevelopment of the parliamentary precinct, I, I do think it's uh, appropriate. I know there's times when there are large protests and the way that you get a minister or um, parliamentarians to the committee meeting is, is is through those tunnels. And so if they were building something that didn't exist, I'd say now's the wrong time. You know, Canada doesn't have the, the funds, but we have an existing tunnel network that has been part of our ability to, to keep the parliamentary precinct safe. And, and don't forget, you know, we have had security threats um, real ones uh, on, on the parliamentary precinct before. And so I do think you have to protect your democracy. Thank you all very much, uh, Patrick Brown and Max Valiquette on round two. And here are annual presentation of what has become extraordinarily popular, and you can actually find it on our website, Newstalk1010.com. Dorothy Jameson, sergeant in the Second World War. It is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us freedom of religion. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us the freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It is the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. Now that last word, vote, means a great deal because you are the upcoming generation that are going to take over from myself and the gentlemen that are here with me. And you've got to go a good job. We're leaving Canada and the world in your hands. All I can say is 
Freedom isn't free. Take care of Canada. Thank you so much. Now it's our turn to stand. It's our turn to stand. It's our turn to stand on God for thee. The Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.